food? Good food. I don't, good. I don't always feel that way. Sometimes I feel like I'm have inner tor like turmoil going on, but with what's been happening in the world, I feel like having some encouraging. It's a challenging message, but it's encouraging and it's kind of fun and interactive. So I don't know that I would have done it this way if we were standing normal style at ten ten, but we're doing it this way tonight. Mm -hmm. So when you when you do your um, message and you're doing, well, we've been um, we've been in this series called the Great Cover Up, and. Um, we're going to continue in that this evening. Um, for those of you who haven't been with us here more recently, um, we started this series about five weeks ago. And the premise of the series was um, the fact that there is this, this, this underlying hypocrisy, this, um, this mask that Satan is constantly trying to kind of throw over our eyes. And it started in the Garden of Eden. Uh, it started with Adam and Eve, and, and it started with them eating the forbidden fruit. And so as we've gone along, we talked about kind of the ways in which Satan tries to throw the mask over our eyes. And um, we've just kind of worked through some of the different things he tries to do to kind of knock us off of our game, uh, the ways that he tries to make half-truths sound like full truth. And um, and so last week we kind of we went through and we just we had a, a kind of a, a standalone, but it was a part of this called confronting corona and we talked about how um in the midst of of the coronavirus of not really knowing what might be happening in the world we have hope in the word of god and we don't have to worry because if god is going to clothe the lilies of the field with such beauty will he not take care of every one of our needs and so we don't have a reason to worry during this time we have a time to have great hope um, I don't know about y'all, but like right outside my window here, there is a beautiful tree and I see, uh, little buds, little flowers that are getting ready to bloom. And it's a, almost like a constant reminder for me, even while I'm up here working on different things that my God is in control. This tree is going to bloom and God's going to clothe it in, in beauty and, and he, and everything that that tree needs, he's taking care of it. And so if he will do that for a tree, what will he do for me? And it's just so much greater for us. And so today we're kind of moving into uh, the last, like the home stretch of this series. Um, this, this, this message today, it's part of the great cover up series, but the, the message is the roadblock, the roadblock to holiness. And so um, one of the things that the Lord has really laid on my heart has been this, this thought of holiness Um I know that we talk about this uh, in church, in my church experience. I've heard holiness um, several times. Um, and sometimes it can seem uh, a little bit uh, boring, uh, almost like an unreachable thing. And yet it's something that the Bible clearly states that we're supposed to pursue um, and, and actually is of great importance to God. And so we're going to talk about it. We're going to start this week. We're going to finish the series, The Great Cover-Up, next week. And then, believe it or not, guys, we're into, like, Easter, and, and, and we're going to move into that. So, um, I guess the number one thing I want to start out with saying tonight is, uh, the main point of all this, if you get nothing else out of this tonight, write this down, uh, you know, whatever you're going to do, put it in your car, remember this, that God has set you apart for a purpose. So, everything else that is said this evening, remember that 
God has set you apart for a purpose. And that is going to be the premise for what we talk about this week and next week. Okay, this week we're going to talk about the roadblock uh, that kind of keeps us from really pushing into holiness. And next week we're going to talk about how we can do that better. And so just kind of want to start off with um, my own personal experience with holiness. Uh, For me, for me, um, the best way that I can explain this is actually through a story. Um, I can see myself not really uh, like going after holiness in several different instances in my life. And some of the more specific instances is when I get stressed. Um, And so for me, it's in times when, when typically there's like a financial thing that happens. And so um, I can find myself having a roadblock to holiness when I'm desiring to kind of be my own God. And so the best example that I can come up with that actually is probably about a year ago. Um, Some of you guys might know about this, but Laura and I had two to three car repairs, car maintenance bills that came in. And so one of them was new tires for a Suburban. It was like $800. The second one was we had to get our car inspected. And then when we got it inspected, they were like, hey, you got a shock that's completely broken. You need new shocks, new springs. Bam, $1,500. About a month later, we were driving down the road and we started hearing this really weird grinding noise in the back of our vehicle. And we took it to a dealership and he said, you're not going to believe this, but your rear end has gone out on your Suburban. And so within a month, uh, we had like $4,500 worth of car repair bills for a vehicle that we're still paying on, a vehicle that you know is under 100,000 miles, in good shape, certified by the dealership. And it really, um, it really sent me kind of into what I would call trying to be my own God. And so after, you know, blow after blow, I kind of felt it begin to rise up in me. And I just began, began to think about like, okay, so this is how I'm going to get through this. I'm going to work as much overtime as I can. I'm going to take more call. I'm going to, you know, for those of you who don't know, I have a, a web design business that I do, uh, that I started up. I said, okay, I'm going to start pushing, getting more clients, making sure that if I get more clients, I'll make more money. I'll be able to cover all of this. And every step of the way, it was about me being my own God. And at no point during that was I really going before my God saying, I need your help. And that's a problem. That's a problem that I think that uh, most men probably deal with. Um, and and I, think, I think in all reality, everybody deals with it. But I know for men, they can really relate to that story because we feel like we're the provider. We feel like we should be, you know, um, we should be able to kind of take care of that stuff. And so it was a really big hit on my ego even. But that was a problem because I became dependent on my own strength. I became dependent on my own understanding. And I became dependent on my own will. And so as I was thinking about this, thinking about it, you know, from, from, a, from, a, from a Christian standpoint, I think we can all relate to that in some way or another. Maybe it's not the car repair bills. Maybe it's not being the provider for the family. But maybe it's other things. In fact, um, I think one of the things that we can all probably relate to is um, kind of how we see American advertising tell us that we could we should depend on different things to help us through. So what I've actually done is I have a couple different things here, and I just want to kind of walk through them, and I want to show you how 
when somebody is advertising something to you, how they're actually playing on the fact that we try to be our own God. And so I just want to go through these real quick. Here's the first one. All right. And I know all y'all are probably going to relate to this. And I know right now we can't go anywhere. We're stuck in our homes where we have this mandate, but um, here it is. So the first thing is from Burger King. And their slogan is, have it your way. You have the right to have what you want exactly when you want it. Because on the menu of life, you are today's special and tomorrow's. And so as I look at that, first of all, I'm sure most of us are probably um, hungry for a Whopper right now or some French fries. Um, But it's amazing how they play off on the fact that you deserve this. They, They are trying to come to you and say, we want to partner with you. We want to give you the tools you need because you have the right to anything that you would ever want. And so this is talking about food. And I think if we're really honest and we're talking about some of the, you know, when we talk about saying that we want to be our own God, it has to do with idolatry. And so in this case, this is saying, make food one of your idols. You deserve to have exactly what you want. Food wants to partner with you. Food wants to, wants to partner with you and you being your own God because you deserve it. So I thought that one was really fun. Have it your way. And I'm sure a lot of us, there's different areas of our life when we say, well, I want it my way. So I deserve it. I want it my own way. And so Burger King is playing off of that. Next one is Disneyland, right? We just we went there last year. I know some people have gone there more recently. But their slogan is, it's the happiest place on earth. And so what they're doing here is they're promising Happiness. Now, when we went down to Disneyland, um, I think it was a year ago now, a year and a half ago, let me tell you something. That day was spectacular. I watched my kids have a blast. I watched them meet princesses. Um, I watched them take pictures with people that they saw in movies. And let me tell you something. They were full of joy in that day. In fact, you know, at the very end, when when they have the, the fireworks and everything, as a father, as somebody watching my kids and all, Man, it, it, it touched me, like, deeply. But you know what? You can't experience Disneyland every single day of your life. And in this moment, they're saying, we can bring you happiness, but the problem is, is it's only temporary happiness. And so maybe it's the happiest place on earth for a day, but it's not the eternal happiness that you're really looking for. And so in this case with Disney World, Disneyland, Walt Disney in general is playing off of his entertainment, the idol of entertainment and the idol of happiness, right? We live in a world where we deserve to be happy. We deserve to be happy. And we have the right to have it our way, which is happiness. And so we can see as we're working through this how they market to actually these things that we naturally crave and they're saying we can give it to you but they can only give you the temporary version of it. Let's go to another one here. Look at this. You know it's a good day when you get Samuel L. Jackson up in your service at church. Capital One, what is in your wallet, right? And so I think we all know about money, uh, but in case we don't, Capital One's asking you a question. Do you have the security that you need by what's in your wallet? You know, Samuel L. Jackson is actually making the face. He's looking deep into your soul asking you, are you secure? And yet, 
Um, and yet, what we really know where our security is at is in Christ. But in this, they're playing off the fact that, you know, in this world, especially right now as we talk about the coronavirus and the stimulus and all that stuff, we are we are we are kind of talking about, and they're they're pointing out, um, you know, what's in your wallet? Do you have enough money? Are you going to make it? Um, all your needs met. If not, come hang out with Capital One. We'll give you a credit card and put you even more debt, and we'll help you become even more of a slave to the lender. So again, um, they're always trying to um, get you to partner up with the fact that with their help, you can be your own God. Here's another one. Gatorade, is it in you? So if Gatorade's not in you, then you can't perform, right? This is a performance ad. Is it in you? Because if you get the off-brand version of Gatorade, man, you may not be able to perform. The important thing here is, again, they're just trying to say, come buy our product, and when you buy our product... You can perform at your highest level. And the last one, and this one is definitely, these these guys are definitely well-known. Nike, just do it. Nike's the most dangerous ad of all the ads that are out there. And the reason is, is because almost every single ad that they put out has to do with you withhold within you all the power that you need to accomplish everything that you need to accomplish in the world. And so when you think about this and you look at all the Nike ads, just do it. It's great. It's motivational, right? Like if you got a dream, just do it. But at the very same time, what the rest of their ads are really saying is you withhold, you have all the power within you to do all that you ever, you are your own God. And so this mentality, this mentality goes against God's desire for us to be holy. And so we're going to take a look at this roadblock, this idolatry that we live in. And so, again, title of this is The Roadblock to Holiness. Um, we're just going to take a, a little bit of time here. We're going to, we're going to be in, in, in Exodus chapter 19. If you have a Bible, feel free. We're going to put it up on the screen. But we're just going to, um, we're just going to kind of work through um, this a little bit. We're going to look at the Israelites who God made a promise to, the same way he's made promises to us. We're going to look at their response, and we're going to kind of leave tonight feeling a little bit challenged. And, and and I'm going to leave you with a challenge. Again, it's up to you whether or not you take it or not, but to kind of look at your own life this week and come back next week ready to put into place maybe the solution uh, to, to, to walking in greater holiness. Um, so... Let's get rolling here. Exodus chapter 19. We're going to pop it up here for you guys. This is what it said. Or this is what it says. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Raphidim, and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, 
and brought you to to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. So I just want to pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Um, we pray that it would just impress upon our hearts what you want us to, to, to see. Um, let your Holy Spirit just kind of illuminate our souls. And, um, and Father, help us to find um, how this relates to the way that we are walking in our life in these times, in this culture. Father, we, I pray that you would increase, Father, and that, and that I would decrease, that I would communicate well, even through this format. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And so, point number one here that I want to make for everybody, and what what is being said here, is that we are God's treasured possession. God says this in verse 5 in Exodus 19. He says, um, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. And so, the first thing that you need to know, and this should be encouraging to you, is that you are, you are a treasure to God. And because you are a treasure to God, he actually says that you, are separate, you have been separated and you are, now, you are now to be holy. You are a holy nation. And the people will know that you are God's because you are holy. And so it's important for us to understand what holiness means, what, what holy means. And, and so... I, th- I think I did a good job there, but just um, to kind of give you like a dictionary uh, a dictionary definition for that is it's just to be set apart for a purpose or to be consecrated. Um, so obviously, um, when we give our lives to Christ um, and, and, and we, we ask him to, f- um, to forgive our sins, we confess he is Lord, um, we, get the, we get the seal, we get the deposit of the Holy Spirit, we become a treasured possession, we become a holy people, we become... Um, We become citizens of heaven. That is what this is saying. And we become a treasured possession to God. And so what this means to us, um, you know, we know that intellectually. We know intellectually that that God loves us, that we're treasured, that we're set apart. But I think the thing that we struggle with is what does that look like for us in our culture? What does that look look like to us on our day-to-day? And... um, and some of the things that I just wrote down here is, is that um, in the midst of all the noise, so you know, take the current coronavirus situation if you want to, um, we're supposed to stand out above all the noise in the world and look different. So like, think about if you were in a crowd of people, right? There should be something about you that's different because you're God's treasured possession. If somebody spent just a small amount of time in the midst of a crowd, they should be like, there's something different about them. I can tell there is something different. And, and, and the interesting thing about this is that it, re- it means that, that we mimic God, in a sense. You know, that, that's discipleship in its, in its purest form. We mimic God, and we mimic the actions of God and the things he tells us to do. 
And the reason that the world can tell that we're different is because the way that God is, the things that God does, is countercultural to the rest of the world. And so, um, one of the things that I was thinking about, obviously, like I said, is the coronavirus pandemic. And so, when people are talking about what's going on in the world, very simply, this is such an easy way that, that, that we can show ourselves as being men and women of God, of, of pursuing holiness, is when people are talking about that, how are you responding? Are you responding with encouragement? Are you responding with hope? Are you responding with a, with, with, with a steadfast trust in the Lord? Are you trying to find ways to lay down your life for others, just like Christ did for us? The Israelites heard this from God. You are my holy nation. You are a treasured possession. I have separated you. That's a lot like the gospel message that we hear. From the very first time we hear that, you know, for most of us who, are, who have accepted Christ as our Savior, we felt the love of God. We felt like we mattered. He loved us. He treasured us. And we had the same response as Israelites. Yes, yes, of course, Lord. We will be that people for you. But something happens. Something happens along the way. Discipleship falls short sometimes. And what do I mean by that? Historically, discipleship has fallen short along the lines where people come, they get saved, and then we tell them if they try really hard, they can be better. Or sometimes when we're discipling people, or or even we've been discipled, we discount the importance of the process of sanctification. And sometimes we tell them like, hey, you're saved, but you still have freedom in Christ. And you're allowed to still do some of the things that you were doing before you came in to a relationship with Christ. And we, and we tell them that they can do those things and they have freedom in them, but we act like sometimes it doesn't have a, a cost to their soul, and it does. Sometimes they need to stop doing some of the things that, yes, we're allowed to do, but they're actually stumbling blocks for people. Yes, we have freedom in Christ, but there's a, there's a sanctification that has to occur before we start walking in that full freedom in Christ. There's an author, uh, Jerry Bridges, he wrote a book, if you all want to check it out, it's called The Pursuit of Holiness. And he wrote in there, one day as I was reading the second chapter of 1 John, I realized that my personal life's objective regarding holiness was less than that of John's. He was saying, in effect, make it your aim not to sin. And as I thought about this, I realized that deep within my heart, my real aim was not to sin very much. Can you imagine a soldier going into battle with the aim of not getting hit very much? I read that quote this week, and that kind of hit me uh, in a different way, right? Like, I know there's grace out there, and I know that we're allowed to, we, we walk in grace, we walk in the freedom of Christ. But isn't my aim every single day? to not sin as much as I cannot sin. And when you put it in in context, of whatever context you're in, 
Take your job, for example. I work in the medical facility. What if my aim was to only be 20% good at the IVs that I, that I put in every single day? Do you think that I would be a good representative of where I work? Probably not. And so when we think about this holiness, and we think about, you know, as, as Jerry Bridges said here in 1 John, where we're to make it our aim not to sin, because that shows that we're holy. Are we doing a good job of, of striving after 100%? Are we doing a good job of striving at not sinning? It's not that we ex- it's not that that God expects perfection, but he expects he ex- does expect the effort. And so that was a that was a really impactful quote for me this week. I hope that you all can take it with you um as you um you know go throughout kind of like thinking about this in the next week. Am I aiming for 100% zero sin every day? We know the end result of that is that we are just sinful people and that we probably will fall short of that goal, but we should have that as the goal. And I think that's what matters here is that God knows our heart and God knows that that's what we're striving towards. That's what he wants us to strive for because we are representatives of God. So one of the things, um, much like the Israelites, they said, yes, yes, Lord, we want to do this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rock this being a holy nation for you. You know, it's it's like us when we get when we got saved. Yeah, I'm on fire for you, Christ. I can't wait. I'm gonna go tell people about Jesus. I'm gonna I'm gonna go serve. I'm gonna go do all these different things that I can do. Right? And if you're looking through the book of, of Exodus, read for, uh, chapters twenty through thirty one. It's literally Moses going up, talking to God, God coming back, giving them law. Moses going back up and God's just telling them back and forth, this is how you can be a holy nation. This is how you do it. Back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. And they're excited and they're doing good. And then we get to Exodus 32. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus 32. And the Lord's talking to Moses and he says, Go down for your people who you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation." of you. And so for lack of a better term, God's mad here. God has seen that this nation, these these people that he said you're holy, you're a priesthood, the whole world is going to know about me through you. Moses is going up and down and up and down, having conversation with God. And one time Moses takes too long in his conversation with God and they start getting worried and they start getting panicked and they start experiencing all these different emotions that we experience on a day-to-day basis, right? They start experiencing, I don't know how I'm going to pay for all the car repairs. And they panic. And they're like, we got to make 
an idol. We got to find a way to be our own God. We need to partner up with an idol. We're going to make a golden calf. And they do it. And they sin against God. And so I can still relate to this story because in that moment, I became my own God and I made a decision that I was going to partner up with money, these things, this thing, this thing. I never once went to the Lord in prayer until later. And I think that we can all relate to a story like that because I think we've all been there before. Much like the Israelites here, they got worried, they got scared. They thought they were being left out in the wilderness. To this point, what's super important to understand at this point, because sometimes we say things like, oh God, if you give me a sign, oh God, if you just show yourself to me. To this point, these people have seen God part the Red Sea. They've seen every single plague that was put on Egypt. They've seen God take bitter water and make it sweet so they can drink. They've seen God have water come out of a rock in the middle of the desert. They saw God have bread rain down from the sky and yet they still made a decision to make a golden calf it doesn't matter how many times God gives us the sign we are people that naturally because of the fall will resort back to trying to do things out of our own power and out of our own strength and we need to recognize that as our greatest one of our greatest enemies. So one of the things I wanted to make very clear tonight, we talked about Satan. We talked about all his schemes, all the ways that he tries to talk with us. But one of the things that we have to also understand is because of the fall, our flesh naturally, it has a natural inclination to try to partner with Satan. And in these moments, this is where we have to put on that armor of God. This is where we have to battle back. We're going to talk more about this next week, but this is what one of the greatest roadblocks to holiness is, is that because of the fall, because everything in creation is slowly eroding, because we rebelled against God from the very beginning, our natural inclination is to turn away from God and to do it our own way. This is our greatest roadblock to holiness, is truly ourselves. The problem is sin. It, it, it's the problem for everything. And it's really easy to just come out and say, hey, sin's the problem. We know that. But we have to understand where it came from. We have to understand how Satan tries to use it against us because then we can know how we can battle back. The second thing is idolatry. So obviously um, idolatry is a sin, but it's, it's a partner with the flesh that we try to partner up with these different idols in our life. Money. Food. Think about the next time that you get depressed, you get upset, something isn't going right. Do you go for the tub of ice cream? Do you go for the bag of chips? Think about when, when, when you start thinking about like the coronavirus, are we going to, you know, are we looking at our bank account so much to make sure that we have enough money that we're going to be safe and secure? Or are we going into prayer? And, and I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. Are we going into prayer? getting on our hands and knees, and going before our ultimate security, God in Christ, through Christ, and being able to go to him and ask him for anything that we would ever need. He wants to know, because we are a treasured possession. We are a holy nation. He loves us. At the end of the day, one of the things that we have to recognize is that the call to holiness 
is very simple. When we think about holiness, it can be super complex. And so I don't want to do it an injustice, but at the same time, we have to be able to understand holiness in a way that we can grab a hold of it and that we can take it with us every single day of our lives. And so for those of you who have purchased the, um, the, uh, the Gospel of Satan, Eight Lies That Satan Tries to Tell You, he kind of says this in the book, but it's throughout Scripture everywhere. And this is what the call to holiness is. It's a call for us to return to the original state that we were in before the fall. It's a call for those who God has chased down and revealed himself to, to not just stop at being happy about the fact that you have been saved through Christ, by the blood of Christ, that you're now a part of the family, but that you are going to press in and put in the hard work of sanctification. That's holiness. And if you want to know what the hard work of sanctification is, it's completely opposite of what the world will tell you, right? The world tells you that you're either going to do it out of your own willpower, or if you can't, you need to, you're going to sit and you're going to kind of waddle in your frustration that you can't do it. Two thing, the two things the world will tell you is you either have to achieve sanctification through being self-righteous, which means you're going to ramp up your willpower and you're going to make those changes in your life, or self-condemnation because you're not able to get your willpower up there, so you're just never going to change. But the simple fact of the matter is the hard work of sanctification is one thing, surrender. It's surrender. It's trying, it's, it's going before the Lord and just telling him, you are God and I am not. You are God and I am not. I am going to depend on you for everything. The question I have for y'all today The question I've been asking myself as I've been going through this during this week of craziness is, will you let God be God today? Will you do what Nehemiah said, as we talked about a couple weeks ago? Will you remember your God, remember his goodness, and all the times he has shown up for you before? Or will you continue to struggle in your own power with your own self-righteousness or your own self-condemnation and continue to walk down a path that just leads to continual frustration. I begin to wonder, what would it look like if the church fully surrendered themselves to the mission of being holy? The amazing things that we could do as we all began to pursue sanctification, pursue becoming more, we say we say in the church, becoming more Christ-like. Holiness means that we are the representation of God everywhere that we go. And so if we pursued being the representation of God everywhere that we went, there's so many implications for this. And I know right now a lot of people probably are sitting here, even me as I think about this, like, man, that's a hard call for people. That's a hard thing for us to do. The only thing you have to do is surrender. Just say, God, I'm willing to surrender to that. God, I'm willing to lay down being the ultimate decision maker of my life. I'm going to lay down my willpower and I'm just going to be obedient to whatever it is you're going to do. And I trust that you're going to, you're going to work all things out. 
There's a there's a quote by by um, C.S. Lewis that I want to read to you because this is how I think that a lot of people view holiness when we talk about it in church, especially people who have been in church for a long time. C.S. Lewis once commented to an American friend, how little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. If even 10% of the world's population had it, would not the whole world be converted and happy before a year's end? And that is just such a powerful statement from C.S. Lewis that I just want to keep before me as I walk. Obviously, the Word of God speaks about holiness so much. We're going to talk more about it next week as we as we kind of press into the implications of being holy, of being the holy nation. We're going to look not at the Old Testament, but we're going to look at 1 Peter, where Peter actually tells us that we that 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 the holy nation that God has called us to we are called we are still called to that today it's not just a call for the israelites of the old testament but it is actually in christ in the new testament through the new blood through the new covenant we are still called to be that holy nation and we are actually called to be that when we have more tools than they had in the old testament we have greater ability we have the power of the holy spirit um, we have we have so many things at our disposal and sometimes we walk through life super powerless but next week we're going to talk about how um, we can walk in holiness, how we can use the tools that God has given us, and how we can push forward and pursue holiness, not just in our own individual lives as we try to get closer to God, but as we can exude it, as we try to exude God to the world around us. All right, guys, I'm going to pray real quick. I want to leave you with a couple of challenges. First challenge is look at your life this week. If you see areas where you are making decisions, right, something stressful comes up and you turn to food, you turn to a friend, you turn to your phone, you turn to Facebook, you turn to a video, and you don't take it to God, make a check mark, make a tally this week. It's the same thing as a couple weeks ago when we started talking about the things we hear in our mind. If you truly do this, God can make some transformative uh, he, can, he can do some transformative things in your heart. So start making tallies. That's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, in your prayer life, begin to ask God, God, help me to surrender. Help me to lay down myself. Help me to not try and be my own God. And, and, and the other thing you can pray is, God, are there idols in my life? I think that the the conversation on holiness is actually a whole series by itself that at some point we could go through. But there are so many different idols in our life that we don't even we're not even aware of. Things that that we treasure above God. I think it's I think that I, that it's super um encouraging to me that God says you're my treasured possession. I think sometimes when we go back to God after he says that to us, we kind of say to him, "We treasure you, but you're not the most treasured of our possessions, of the things that, that we have in our life. And then the third thing um, is just to ask yourself, in this crazy season, in this time of coronavirus, how can I be exuding holiness? How can I be representing God? Um, how can I be kind of showing the world, yeah, we're, we have a stay-at-home mandate right now, but is there a way that I can be posting on social media 
that is exuding holiness? Is there a way that I can be talking to people? Is there a way that I can be loving people? Um, think about that and think about how you can show um, yourself to be different than the rest of the world where the world is panicked, the world is scared, the world doesn't feel like they have an assurance of tomorrow. We know that we have blessed assurance. Um, we have that um, in Christ. And so we have no worry. We have no fear. Um, and so um, I asked Mike to finish up this evening by singing super, um, well, not super old. We're not talking, uh, you know, early hymns, but a more contemporary song that's kind of older back in the early 2000s. Um, probably most of you haven't sang it in a long time, uh, but I want you guys to just take a few moments to um, sit under it, think about it, listen to the words of it, listen to um, to the call um, of, of, of the song just, um, and, and, and be praying this out of your own heart as well as you're singing this. Um, so I wanted to t- let Mike off the hook. He was like, make sure you let them know that you wanted this song. I asked for this song. And so Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. Hey guys, I want you to know, I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. You know, let us know how you think this went. Send us an email oversight at 1010 community.com. Um, and, and we love you guys. Stay safe. We're going to be continually praying. And if you all need anything, again, shoot us an email, and we would love to see how we can meet any of those needs. Have a good night, everyone.